Welcome to the Daryl Smith Podcast Show. Our voices, our views, our generation. Let's conversate. Welcome back, everybody, for our second part of our interview with uh, Claudia Reinhardt Johnson. Recording today that's going to air next month in January. So how has this pandemic affected your music career and with also you providing private music lessons? It basically killed the live thing. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, unfortunately. For both my husband and I, probably 40% of his income comes from live work, even though he's a professor at EW Parkside. That's right, you told me that. But he does a lot of live work. I do some live work, not as much as I did in New York, because there's just not as much here. Yeah, smaller market. And I also believe in being paid to be a singer. So Yeah, it makes sense. You <laughs> want to get paid for what you do. Yeah. I like to get paid. I've worked a long time, and I paid my dues in New York, so I kind of want to be paid when I'm here. So it's affected some of the live stuff without a doubt. And I have to say, we are very, very fortunate. We have a lot of friends, even in New York, who are having to sell their homes and having to move. So we are very, very fortunate. And so I'm appreciative of what I do have. In terms of music lessons, I was never a big fan of doing lessons virtually. I know other people in New York who do it. And I was not a big fan because I I need to see people's faces. I need to look at their jaw. I need to look at their tongue. I want to see what they're doing breath-wise. It's important for me to hear what they're doing. And so I just had a lot of back-end work to make it work. So for me... I had to make sure every student has two devices. So they see me on a screen, whether it be their phone or an iPad or a computer. And then they have to have their exercises because I record all my exercises for my students. So they have stuff to practice with. They have to be doing something vocal every day. And then they have to have a device to actually play the exercises on while I listen to them and watch. So it was a lot of back-end work. I'm also teaching piano, guitar, and ukulele. Oh. Virtually. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> so it's been a lot of, it was a lot of back end work and a lot of little mini videos I make while I'm playing. And I do it really slowly so you can see my hands. But now I've got it down. I've got it down. I've got three people who started piano from scratch who are playing tunes, who are playing chord changes, and a guitar player who's actually playing chords and playing songs. It's pretty awesome. Are you saying that you haven't had nobody coming to your place of residence at all since this pandemic happened? Nope. Yeah, and that makes sense because you got to be careful what's going on with the virus. Yeah. On the bright side, the vaccine, as you probably were, just got approved, even though it's only approved to a certain amount of people right now to be to be right. distributed starting this week. The good news is that by this time next year, I think by next fall, they should kind of should get back to normal like they were prior to this coronavirus. Right, right, right. Then you can start having people back in for your do like you normally do, yeah. which will be back to like what you like to do. Yeah. But I think we've changed the landscape of everything with this. I think so, too. Like, I found the silver lining. I found, like, a lot of my students' exercises, they were doing the same ones all the time, and I would be like, well, do this one. They'd be like, I don't have it. Oh, well, now you do now, and I'd send it to them, you know, or I'd say, let's do it right now. So what was good about all of this is that it allowed me to get in their homes, in their space of where they're practicing, and make sure they have everything they need at home. So it ended up, that was the silver lining. The other thing is, is that this has allowed me to take my show on the road, so to speak, if I want to. Now I have like two students in California and two in New York that I'm working with. So it's opened that up. That's good. Which has been kind of cool. And I do go back to the East Coast on occasion for like a few weeks here and there. And now I don't have to take time off. I can just say, hey, I know we're usually in studio 
this time of year, but I'm going to be in Pennsylvania. Can we do a couple of lessons while I'm virtually? And I'll be able to do that because everyone knows how to do it now. Speaking of that, are you on the East Coast right now? No, I am in Wisconsin right now. I'm leaving on Friday. Oh. Yeah, we ended up changing our plan. So it actually all worked out. And I have a studio situation set up there. I have a keyboard I'm bringing there. I have the only thing I take, which is crazy as it sounds, is my desktop computer. Oh, okay. I pack it up and take it with me. Well, in normal times, I was going to say, I would imagine you probably came into the studio today in a normal situation. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I understand right now it's a little bit different right now for everybody. Yeah. And my studio room here is not small, but it's not big enough. And when you sing, stuff sprays. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just occupational hazard. So I can't take any chances. And I have, believe it or not, I have some lung issues as healthy as I am. So I have to be super careful. I get it. I don't really get out much. (laughs) Hopefully by next spring or something, you'll start getting out more. Yeah, I really hope so. That'd be nice. I really hope so. nice. I miss seeing people. I miss hugging people and I miss smiling at people. Well, we do have to do coffee sometime once you... Yes, we do. Hopefully by next summer. How does that sound? Yes. Sounds good. We definitely will do that. Definitely, definitely. My next question is that, what has been your biggest accomplishment in your career and as being an educator too? Making records feels like a very big accomplishment to me. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. And I feel like those are two, like, even just the one, I, the four song EP I did recently. I feel really proud of what I did and the music and the process. In terms of studio, I had a studio in New York City on 32nd Street between 5th and 6th. That was a really big accomplishment. I had two partners. We had two full teaching rooms, a warm-up room, and a space to perform in. That was a really big achievement. And managing to keep that for five years was really important to me. I ended up not doing that here. In New York, that's something people do. Here, it didn't make sense. And financially, it didn't make sense. And I was fortunate enough to have a house where I could set up a studio on my first floor. There's a bathroom on the first floor. It all works out. But I feel like those are really big accomplishments for me. That's good. And the students I've gotten, and I still hear from students. I hear from students all the time. Somebody I haven't heard from in 10 years reached out to me the other day just to tell me they still think about me and they still do my warm-up. So I'd like to believe the, the mark I make on somebody and the fact that I'm teaching people how to do it healthy. So they will have voices until they're 70 and 80. That's very important. Longevity. Yes, it is. Longevity. Just yes. kind of like a Frank Sinatra. Tony Bennett, man. Yeah. Tony Bennett's like 90 years old. He's still singing. Well, Frank Sinatra, the, the chairman of the board, was alive until he died in 90. He was in his 80s, I think. He, he did it for a long time, too. Yeah. Chairman of board. Same with Ella. That's right. And same with Aretha. Yeah, that's right. Longevity is where it's at. Yes, it is. You don't retire from singing. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. <laughs> the next question is that, what are the goals that you like to achieve in 2021? I would like to get my next group of songs out. I would really like to do that and start playing out and playing out as me and maybe like a percussionist or me and accordionist or something like that starting to play out again in a different kind of approach because the full band thing is just too expensive and too hard to do. And in Milwaukee is not affordable to do for me because I believe in paying musicians really well. Yes. Because I want the best musicians. I want to do two rehearsals and a gig. And that's why I expect everyone to be able to jump right on board and do all that kind of stuff. And that's really what I want to try and achieve. I want to put together my own set list of me playing keys or guitar or ukulele with maybe one other musician and just start doing some gigs and seeing what that next process looks like without a full band. Well, since you mentioned that, what we do is that 
the goal, hopefully we can get you back on here before you release your songs sometime next year. Yeah. So we can try oh, to yeah, promote as much as you can to get as much exposed as you can. Yeah. This podcast is being heard by everybody all over the U.S. and all over the world, hopefully, I guess. Yeah. That'd be great. I mean, I've touched base with the engineer I work with. And uh, I said, you know, hopefully 2021, we can get back to work. A lot of the work is done. It's just bringing in one guy to lay down a B3 sound and bringing in the one person to play a little string. It's like, you know, when you renovate, it's like getting the one guy back to finish up the little tile thing. It's a little nitty gritty stuff that has to get done. And then go in and do all the vocals. And that's easy. That's knock it out kind of stuff. So when that happens, I'll let you know. <laughs> I appreciate it. Sounds good. My last question for you in this episode is for any aspiring artists out there, what is the one piece of advice that you would offer them as they enter into the music industry? Be educated as a musician. I believe, and I don't mean to just say it in terms of females, but I teach all my young female students and my adult female students. It's very much a man's world in the music business. And you need to be know as much as they do. And you need to know more than anybody else in the room as a female in this business. So you should understand music theory. You should understand what the drummer's doing and how to talk to that drummer. Understand, maybe you don't play guitar, but have an understanding of how the instrument functions so that you can speak to a guitarist. You can speak to the keyboard player or at least understand how your songs are constructed. The more you know, the better those musicians are going to play for you and they're going to respect you and you're going to be in it together creating music. And also, what about in terms on the business side? Like, obviously, the landscape has changed even before the coronavirus. A lot of big record labels are around, but not as many as they were like 10, 15 years ago because the advent of social media and, and YouTube and internet, blah, blah, blah. But anyone on the business side that does sign a contract with the major record label, would you advise them to make sure they, they know the business side of it too? Because you hear a lot of times about artists getting ripped off by music labels, to be honest, unfortunately, too. Right. And they do. And the thing is, is that there's only so many hats you can wear. If you're a musician and you're a songwriter and you're yeah. co-producing your record, I mean, how many hats can you possibly wear? It's a lot. And there are some people who are really great at the marketing aspect of it. I'm okay with it. I'm not fantastic at it. But you can release a record now. And if you work it, you can get things to happen. If you are getting involved with a record label, I recommend getting a lawyer. I was going to say that. Get a lawyer. And it's hard because it costs money. Yes. But like back in the day with my first record, I had somebody come to me and they wanted to license my music for videos. Oh. And as it turned out, you're going to laugh, but a lot of it was for pornography. <laughs> Whoa. I was like, my music? My music's so cerebral. Wow. It's not like, it's not that. Yeah, I've heard it's, it before. You, know, you are very cerebral, very... It's lyrical. It's, and the thing that it's, he only, and that at the time he wanted to use two songs specifically, but because he was licensing it, somehow it wrapped all my songs in and then I would be locked in with him and I would Ooh. be able to get the music to other people. You don't want to lock yourself in like that. And I had a meeting with a lawyer and the lawyer answer was like, you really don't want to do this. And I was like, all right. I think the Lord gave you some very sound advice because... Yes, he did. Because that's the thing about it is that, like I said, it costs money to get a lawyer in to read these contracts. Yeah. Some of these music contracts, are, they favor more towards the record label, obviously, and it can be kind of complex. Like anything else, it might cost money to get a lawyer, but probably better to get someone that knows what they're doing, but it will protect you in the long run. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you really, as an artist, 
like I said, we can't wear every hat. I had a really good friend who worked for uh, Polygram Records and oh, okay. DMG Records. Okay. And when times would get quiet and I didn't have enough gigs, I would hit her up and be like, hey, you got anything for me? And I would go work in the record labels with her. And she'd always pay me really, she was great. She'd pay me really well because I'm a very conscientious person. So I would work very hard for her. And again, I have that business degree I ended up switching to. So I knew what was going on. And I could just see how artists got screwed all. Yeah. I'd be in the record label. I'd sit there and be like, oh my God, I'm working for the devil. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, to pay the bills, sometimes you have to do what you have to do. I'd pay the bills. That's right. Dude, I once dressed up as a lobster and sang in front of a raw bar. So. What? Oh. Yes. That's a whole other podcast, my friend. <laughs> You do what you got to do. That's right. You got to pay the bills. You got to pay the bills. Well, Claudia, I want to thank you again really very much for coming on the podcast. And I hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and a safe travel to the East Coast. Thank you so much, Daryl. You too. I hope you have a wonderful holiday. I look forward to hearing this in January because we'll all be through the holiday. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Also, my birthday is coming up January 9th too. Oh, nice. Yes. I'll be 42. Happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nice. I'll send you a reminder on Messenger again, but thank you, you very much. You make sure to do that. But thank you very much. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm turning 42, getting up there, moving up the charts. I know it, man. It's a good I thing. I know it. You turn around. I'm up there. Yeah. I'm beyond that, actually. <laughs> but you still look very good for your age, if you don't mind me saying. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. <laughs> well, thanks again. You have a good one, Claudia. You too, Daryl. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. <laughs> 